morning we we talked about you know I believe in God and and, and some reasons that we believe in God and uh, you know of course we looked at Genesis one one and 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 just kind of moved on from there but there is that is a foundational scripture uh, that really springboards us into many other things you know if we have faith in the Lord. Uh, we're going to have faith in His Word. If we have faith in His Word, then that Word is going to compel us to do many things uh, within life. You know, I, I think that we need to cover this topic. I know that this topic has probably been covered sufficiently within your lifetime, but you know, this is something that, that needs to be reminded of, uh, that we need to be reminded of on several occasions, really. And that is the simple thought. I believe in the church. You know, the church that Jesus died for. I believe in the church. The church has always had its detractors. You know, those people say, you know, I'll say yes to Jesus, but no to the church. And what do they mean by that? Well, I'll say yes, I believe in the Lord, but I don't want to have anything to do with organized religion. Now, I don't know exactly where they're coming from on that. I believe that part of it for many people is that simply all they want to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and in that belief they believe that they will be saved. But, brethren, the church is so much more than you know, than, than what we sometimes think of it as. Sometimes people think of it as a building. The church is not a building. You know, the church is a people. Uh, ecclesia, the, the Greek word here for, for the church is, it's the called out. The called out for Christ. We are the called out, brethren. We're the church. When one compares... Man's view concerning the church and God's view concerning the church, you get very different views. Now, which one are we going to go by? Well, of course, you know, to, to uh, apply a, a scripture uh, in Acts 5 and verse 29, you know, we need to obey God rather than men. You know, so that being the case, we don't need to go off, and not only does that mean that you know we, we don't follow the government if it is uh, in opposition to the Lord, but you know what? In general, we do not follow man if it is in opposition to the Lord. We have to do what God prescribes. In Acts 20 and verse 28, this is spoken out to elders here. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit hath made you bishops to feed the church of the Lord, which he purchased with his own blood. The church, he purchased it with his own blood. Now you go back to those people who say, I want the Lord, I want Jesus, but no church. Well, you really don't want Jesus, do you? Because Jesus sacrificed himself. He died for the church. It is precious. It's precious enough that he would lay down his own life. 
First Peter 1, verses 10 and 11, concerning which salvation the prophets sought and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what time or what, uh, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did, uh, did point unto, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow them. Look at Ephesians. We're going to stay in Ephesians for a few minutes, so go ahead over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 at verses 22 and 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And I, I cannot go past this passage without mentioning this. He is... The head over all things, what? To the church. To the church. What's the importance in that? And it, doesn't, it doesn't say of the church. It says to the church. He's head over all things to the church. What's the difference in that? Well, you know what? I am the father of four children. I have four children. That is what I'm saying. I'm the father of four children. Now, am I a father to those children? Am I a father that embraces them and helps out with their needs? Any Joe Schmo can be a father. He can be the father of a child. But not everybody decides to be a father to a child. Just as Jesus, Jesus isn't head over all things of the church, but he puts his care into it. He's head over all things to the church. In Ephesians 2 and verse 16, And might reconcile them both in one body unto God through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So he wants to reconcile us in what? In one body. And you go back and look, and of course we already read in verse 23 of chapter 1, you know, what, what, is, what is the body? The body is the church. The church and the body are the same. They are synonymous. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, a lengthy passage here. Start in verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, in behalf of you Gentiles, if so, that ye have heard of the dispensation of that grace of God, which was given me to you, word, how that by revelation was made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in few words, whereby when ye read, ye can perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known unto the sons of men, as it hath now been revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, to wit, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellowship, uh, the fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of that grace of God which was given me according to the working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, was this grace given to preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the dispensation of the mystery which for ages hath been hid in God who created all things to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places 
might be made known through the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence through our faith in him. Wherefore, I ask that you may not faint at my tribulations for you, which are your glory. Uh, you see Paul here in his, his emphatic speech here concerning being able to preach the gospel. And especially here, when you look at verse 8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, was this grace given to preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. His humility goes without saying. You know, what does he say here? You know, I, I, I am the least of all saints. And I, because I'm the least of all saints, it makes this so much greater, right? Now, why does he say he's the least of all saints? Now, I think most of us would probably agree that, well, you know, Paul, he was, he's probably more, more so than what he's leading on to. Well, he's saying, look, I persecuted the Lord. I persecuted the Lord, and he has allowed me to follow him and to preach the unsearchable riches of himself. Brethren, when we think about the church, what do we think about? Do we think, well, you know, it's a place where we go because obviously it's not that. Do we think, eh, you know, it's, it's a good thing. The church is a good thing. But I could leave it or take it. Or, do we love the church? Because we know that our Lord died to establish it. Knowing that it is precious. And taking each day of our life to thank God for it. So a few, a few short points here. Number one is this. What is the purpose of the church? I mean, really, what's the purpose of the church? I mean, you know, we, we, we talk about different things that the church does... But what is its purpose? Now, I've, I've heard several things, uh, you know, throughout my life. And, and one is this. Now, I've often heard it said the mission of the church is evangelism, benevolence, and edification. I've heard that. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's not the purpose of the church. Those things help in our purpose. But they are not the purpose of the church. Now, what is the purpose then? What is the purpose? Well, I think the purpose is spelled out pretty pretty easily here in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to give glory to God. Now, we do that. We do that by edification, benevolence, evangelism. But the sole purpose of the church 
is to give glory to God in every manner of life. So, this is the purpose. But how do we live out this purpose? I think there are probably several answers to that. Uh, But we will answer a few. And then I'm sure you can come up with more on your own. But how do we live out this purpose? You know, we can accomplish the mission, uh, this mission by, you know, being Jesus' point of contact with the world. By going out and, and being good examples to those around us. Now, uh, let's, let's talk about this. Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. For even as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we are many, uh, are one body in Christ, and severally members one of another. And having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us give ourselves to our ministry, or he that teacheth to his teaching, or he that exhorteth to his exhorting, he that giveth, let him do it with liberality, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness." All right, so when when we're talking about members of the Lord's church, we we all have different roles in life. Uh, Some of us are are better able to do different things. Some people are able to teach. Uh, Some people minister. Some people are good for encouragement. Uh, Some people are able to give, and they give liberally. Uh, There's different ways that we can serve the Lord, and we all serve the Lord in many ways. Uh, But there's just different ways that we do it, and and some of us have more talents in those areas than others. Does that make a person more important? Well, absolutely not. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 13 and following. While you turn in there, I remember one time being asked uh, about the context of 1 Corinthians 13, just trying to challenge me a little bit. And, you know, you have the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. But it's sandwiched in the middle of spiritual gifts. Now, what's the purpose of that? What's the purpose of 12 and 14 there in the context with chapter 13? Well, the idea is simple. We all have different roles, and we can go and perform those different duties. But the thing that we should attain the most is what? Is love. Because in the end, love is not going to fail. Everything boils down to that. So these people that Paul is writing to, they shouldn't have been upset about what spiritual gift they had or didn't have. But they should be working toward love. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 following. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether bond or free... And we uh, were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is, is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, it is not therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, it is, uh, it is not therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, each one of them, in one body, or in the body, even as it pleased him. 
And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those parts of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Whereas our comely parts have no need, but God tempered the body together, giving more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it. Or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and severally members thereof. Alright, so... There's a lot here, but the point is basic. And what is that? We're all of the same body. We're all members of the same body. Our body, our physical body, has different functions. You know, we've got hands, and we've got legs, and we've got feet, and we've got arms, and ears, and eyes, and everything does something different, right? And so we need all those things, and... And whenever one of those things is injured, you know it, right? One of the, um, I I guess one thing that taught me a little bit of patience growing up was, well, I I had a sports injury, and I had injured my shoulder. And the doctor wanted to to treat it carefully, and so he, he had me in a sling for several weeks. And then it didn't heal properly, and he wanted me a couple of weeks longer in it. Well, it still didn't heal properly, so he said, we're going to have to do surgery. So I go and wait for a time for surgery, and it finally comes up. And then after surgery, guess what? I'm still in a sling. I'm in a sling with my arm actually strapped to my body. And I'm doing that for a couple of more months. All in all, I was almost in a sling for six months. Uh, I, it was it was ridiculous getting out of that sling. I mean, I had zero zero muscle in my left arm. I just could not hardly lift it. Couldn't do anything. And you know, when I was had that arm strapped to my body, I realized something. I used my arm for a lot more than I thought I did. You know, I, I thought you know, hey, uh, I've got I've got my right hand still. I can write. I'm good to go. I can still lift things with one arm. I'm fine. But I didn't realize that even when I lifted things with my one arm, I still steadied it with my other arm. And then I didn't realize this. This was a big kicker for me. I didn't realize how much I relied on that arm for balance. You know, just that simple thought of balance. And I was tripping over myself for a few days trying to figure it out. You know, it it just is one of those things that you, you you have to have every part of the body. To function properly. And you know, if you miss one part, you know it's missing. You know, uh, you ever stubbed your toe? Your toe lets you know, right? You know, you, you know that it's hurt. You know, it used to be that when they would capture kings, they would cut off their thumbs... And they would cut off those big toes on their feet. You know why they did that? 
because people look pretty goofy. Whenever they're walking around and they're trying to pick stuff up, you use that thumb for a lot of things. And they start looking like children toddling around. You use everything in your body. And when it's missing, you're going to feel it. The same thing for the church, brethren. If everybody is doing what they're supposed to do, they're a part of the body. When one member is hurt, when one member is missing, the entire body feels it. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me, and that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus needs our lips through which to speak, our hands through which to minister, and our feet to be able to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Without submitting ourselves to this purpose, the church becomes a wall rather than a door. Jesus was about people. So the church also should be about people. Now, and there are several things that we need to do here. Number one is, well, the lost need to be taught. Mark 16, 15, 16, he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He, who, he that disbelieveth shall be condemned. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, Preach the word, be urgent, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Now, we walk a fine line here, I think, sometimes. We, we need to teach. We desperately need to teach. But we also need to show some compassion. Acts 10 and verse 38 even Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Uh, so we need to teach, but we also need to show compassion. You know, not everybody knows what you know. Uh, one of the things about preaching is you don't really dumb things down. You just try to make your topics a little broader, you know, because you don't know what everybody thinks. You know, sometimes you 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 preach on something and you think, well, everybody understands this basic principle, and then you find out later not everybody understands that basic principle. Now, whether it is that they've not really thought about it, they've skipped over it in teaching or haven't heard any teaching on it, whatever. Sometimes, you know, we, we just don't know what other people know. And we can gather a lot from other people. I remember, uh, I remember a guy telling me, you know, Matt, and he was a successful businessman, so I, I'm, I'm taking his word for it. But he said, you know what? 
you can learn something from the most unintelligent person in the room. You can learn something from anybody. They don't have to be way up above you for you to learn something. You can learn something from everybody. Brother, when we teach, the reason we teach is because we love God. The reason we teach is because we love the lost. The reason we teach is because we want as many people to go to heaven as we can. If we do not teach according to God's word, then we're we're not going to really do any good. If we compromise the word of God, we're not going to do any good. We have to teach. We have to show compassion. And, and finally in this thought, we, we have to be a source of encouragement. Romans 14 and verse 19. So then let us follow after things which make for peace and things whereby we may edify one another. You know, I, I want to want to make a comment here. When we look at Romans 14 and verse 19, and it says, "Let us follow after things which make for peace." Well, that's that's exactly what we should do. Now, this is written to brethren, and so this is in the context of dealing with each other. Now, when we're talking about people in the outside world, people outside of Christ, oh well, we are. Looking for peace, and we should be as peaceable as we possibly can be. But there are going to be times that we offend, and it's really not us offending, it's the Word of God. We have to be careful, though, that we aren't unnecessarily offending people. What do I mean by that? Well, I've known quite a few preachers, very sound in the faith, uh, but they got up and they browbeated quite a bit. I, I don't believe that that falls into this category. I don't believe that that is being peaceable. I, I, I don't believe that that is something that, that should be prescribed. Nor do I think we should compromise the truth. So what should we do? We should speak the truth and do it in a compassionate way. Hebrews 3 and verse 13 says, But exhort one another day by day, so as long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened By the deceitfulness of sin. We need our brethren to encourage us. Why? So that we'll stay on the right track. So that in the end, our hearts are not hardened. And we will have served the Lord faithfully throughout our lives.
I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. You know what? As individuals, we're far from perfect. But you know what? His church is perfect. The establishment of his church is perfect. But you know what I've realized over the years? I hope you have already figured this out too. But as imperfect as I may be, you know, the Lord can still use me. I think that's where we're, we're used the best. Uh, you think about Samson. The Lord was able to use Samson for his pleasure. But Samson, his spirituality was, well, it was not very good. But the Lord used him. The question is, how is the Lord going to use us? I mean, the Lord could use us. Each, each individual here, he could use us as a bad example. But wouldn't you rather be a good example? And I know I would. Brother, maybe there's someone here tonight that knows that they need to respond to the invitation, that you have not been living right, that you have not been the example that you should be. We want you to make things right with the Lord tonight. Maybe it is that you've done something in a public manner that would necessitate a public repentance for the knowledge of the brethren here. Maybe it is that you have not yet become a Christian. You would like to be baptized into Christ tonight. Whatever the case, if there's anybody that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing.